This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. On Mondays, we are having Rav Benjamin Tavori, who is giving a series this year on Mo'adei Hashanah, Shiurim, about the different holidays and festivals. This week we are going to celebrate the holiday that we call Chag HaShavuot. Literally, the festival of weeks. In the Torah, of course, there are a number of references to the Chag. One of them, in Sefer Bamidbar, in connection with the Karbanos, the Chag is called Yom HaBikurim, the day that we bring the first, the first fruits. The mitzvah, of course, of Bikurim, which is not applicable today. In other places, the Torah says, Chag Shavuot You should make the Chag Shavuot, this festival of weeks, at the time of the Bikurei Ketzirchitim, when you bring the first of your harvesting. And of course, another phrase would be, Chag HaKatzir Bikurei Ma'asecha, the festival of harvesting, when you bring in the first of your fruits. These names all refer to agricultural aspects of the Chag, which seem to be the essence of the day according to the Torah. Another name that's not found directly in the Torah, but was used by Targum, is the name Atzeret. Now the word Atzeret can mean to be tied up, could be connected. The Targum on the Pasuk, when the word Bishavuotechem, the Pasuk says, Uviyama Bikurim, Bakrivchem, Minchacha Dashalashem, Bishavuotechem. Now Bishavuotechem literally means on your weeks. But the Targum calls it Be'atzrotechem, on your Atzeret. And of course, the question exists what the Atzeret means here. What is the le- leftover, the day of Atzeret considered in Shavuos? An interesting interpretation was brought by Rab Zevin in his Sefer Moadim Malacha in the name of the Tzaddik of Bardichev, the, the Kedusha Slavi. And he said that one of the reasons that he gave is because every Yantif has its own laws. Pesach, of course, the numerous laws of Matzah and Chametz, etc., etc. Sukkot has its laws, complicated of building a Sukkah, of the Arba Minim, of the Lul, of the Esog, etc. Rosh Hashanah has its laws, of the Shofar. Yom Kippur, of course, has its special laws. Shavuot seems to have no special laws at all. There are no special anything to do with Shavuot according to biblical law. So what is the essence of the day? A day that you cannot do melacha. Atzeret mi melacha is the essence of Shavuot. That's the idea of the Tzadik of Baidichev. One could take this idea perhaps a step further or differently than he did by quoting the Ramban al-Chumish, 
when the Ramban interprets the word atzeret, when Moadim, when he talks about in general that the all Moadim should be called atzeret, he calls them mikra kodesh, a day where you sort of take time out and go, according to the Ramban, to a community where you pray together, where you hear the Torah together, as a Mikra Kodesh of Anatzeret. And this, of course, according to Ramban, is unusual. The Ramban generally thinks that prayer, the biblical law of prayer, does not exist daily. Nevertheless, on, on, on the days of the holidays, he talks about the concept of Mikra Kodesh, of a, a public assembly for Kedusha, of Atzeret, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this would, of course, apply to all the holidays, not just Shmini Atzeret, not just to Pesach, or the last day of Pesach, which is called Atzeret, but to Shavos as well. However, the classic interpretation of Atzeret is based upon a, a medrash that is very, very widely quoted. The Medrash in Shira Shirim Rabbah says that really Ru'uya Haita Atzeret Shachag Liot Chokachamishim Yom Keshem Shatzeret Shalpesach Chokachamishim Yom. It would have been appropriate for the Atzeret of Chag, in other words, Shmini Atzeret, which is the eighth day of Sukkot, in a way, it's the eighth day of Sukkot, in a way, it's the beginning of a new holiday called Shmini Atzeret. But it's called Shmini Atzeret. And it's, the Medrash says it would have been appropriate for, be to, to, for it to be 50 days after Sukkot. The same way that Atzeret of Pesach is removed from Pesach 50 days. So you see from here, I think, a, today a common assumption that the reason Shavuot is called Atzeret is because it's a combination of Pesach. And of course, the explanation of the connection between Pesach and Shavuot is fairly obvious, not just because the Torah indeed commanded us to count from Pesach to Shavuos, and we count Sviyas Omer from Pesach to Shavuos, but there is a very important significance in this idea as well. Pesach represents the physical emancipation of Am Yisrael. Me'avdus l'cheirus. We, we, we were taken out of slavery and became emancipated, became free people. At that time, when we left Mitzrayim, it was known that we were on a very low spiritual level. In fact, the Medrash goes on to say that the angels, the celestial beings, complained to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why would you take B'nai Yisrael out? They're bereft of any spiritual qualities. Why should they be taken out? And in order to attain the status of B'nai Israel to receive the Torah, we had to undergo a period which we call today the period of Sviata Omer, of the Shiva Shavuot, in order to raise our level until we could be fit to receive the Torah. So Shavuot represents the spiritual emancipation of B'nai Israel. When we left the situation of becoming just mere free people, but with any spiritual significance of our own, 
to become Bnei Yisrael who received the Torah connects the holiday of Pesach to the holiday of Shavuos. And in that respect, Shavuos is called Atzeret of Pesach. Of course, we are predicating this discussion upon the assumption that Shavuos is the Chag of Matan Torah. Interestingly enough, the Torah never designated as such. In common parlance, when we talk about Shavuos, we talk about Zman Matan Torah Seinu. In the davening, we use those words, Zman Matan Torah Seinu. And in fact, the customs that we do have when Shavuos, and as I point out, the customs, not necessarily the laws of Shavuos, basically are based upon the concept that Shavuos is the day that we receive the Torah. For example, the widespread custom of staying up all night on Shavuos is based upon a medrash that Bnei Yisrael either did stay up or didn't stay up or should have anticipated or shouldn't have anticipated, but it's all related to the idea that we're staying up all night to anticipate receiving the Torah in the morning. The idea of reading the Torah on Shavuos, the first day of Shavuos, we read the Parsha of Yisrael, the Parsha of Aseris HaDibros, whereas if one studies the sources in the Talmud, one might get other impressions of what should actually be read on Shavuos, but we have the custom of reading about Aseris HaDibros because the common understanding is this is Matan Torah. This is the day of Matan Torah. It's fairly obvious that throughout the millennia of Jewish history, when agricultural aspects of Chagim were downplayed, after all, we did not live in Israel, we did not live in an agricultural society at all. So how could one really relate to an agricultural holiday? Therefore, the spiritual aspects of the holiday took a primary place in the understanding of the people. So Shavuos really became known as the day of Matan Torah. If one will study the Sugya and Shabbos carefully, we will see that there is a machlokas, the Gemara, a real controversy, whether the Torah was indeed given on the day that we call Shavuos or not. And the Magin Avram and others have pointed out that historically, we paskin that Shavuos was not the day of Matan Torah, and Achronim go to lengths to try to reconcile the various views and to try to explain whether Shavuos is indeed the day of Matatora or not, nevertheless, the day has been accepted as a concept of Matatora. And the significance of Matatora needs no explanation. We receive the Torah. However, I would like today to explain the significance of the days around Shavuos, not just as Matan Torah, but another spiritual concept as well. Let me begin with the words that Bnei Yisrael uttered before receiving the Torah. The famous quote, Naaseh Venishma, we will do what God says and we will listen, try to understand what He says. This statement was scoffed at by the non-Jews who thought 
this shows a certain improper haste of the Jewish people who did not even know what they were getting into and accepted obligations of which they had no prior knowledge. The Beis HaLevi, the great-grandfather of Rav Salavechik of Boston, the father of Reb Chaim, wrote among his halachic works a number of drushim, homiletical lectures. In one of them, he discusses the concept of Nasev and Ishma, but he uses halachic frame, halachic framework to deal with it. For example, he said there is a problem of a person obligating himself to do something which is unspecified. A person can hire himself out and accept a position, for example, to mow a lawn. And then he becomes a poel, and he has to, a worker who has to mow the lawn. But you cannot accept a position where you will hire yourself out to a somewhat a landlord or of some sort, an employer of some sort, to do whatever he says. That's a davash and a katsuf. So, the Beis HaLevi says, as this assumption which the Rambam affirms, questions the entire premise of how Bnei Yisrael could, could say, Nasev and Ishma. The, the sentence would certainly not be binding, because this would be obligating yourself to do something, She'en Katsuf. The Beis HaLevi suggests the answer as follows. A person who wants to be what we call a poel, a laborer, but he wants to accept one job, may do so. But he could not accept an unspecified job. But one type of person could do so. One type of person could obligate himself to do anything. And who is that? That is the person who sells himself into slavery. A person becomes a slave then he's obligated as a slave, as a Kenyan, <coughs> whether we would explain the type of Kenyan that a person has in an Eved, is a topic in the Gemara and Kedushin which is not our place today. But since there is some sort of a Kenyan that the master has over the Eved, therefore the Eved, the slave, must do whatever the, Eved, the Adon tells him to do. The Beis HaLevi then explains what happened was at that time when we said what we became our slaves it wasn't just that we agreed to be poalim to do the different mitzvahs our body itself became enslaved to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. as it were we sold ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. At first glance, to be called a slave seems to be a derogatory term. In fact, the Gemara Kedushin says that if one calls another person a slave, he should be punished for it. It certainly is a derogatory term. However, this only refers to a slave who becomes enslaved to another person, or, as it were, to another slave. When the Torah says, Ki they are my slaves whom I took out of Mitzrayim, the Chazal point out 
Avadayhem, v'lo avadim lavadim. They're my slaves. They're not slaves to other slaves. To be a slave to a slave is derogatory. And of course, we use those words in the Haggadah of Pesach as the poschim ignus, according to one opinion. The idea that we must start the Seder by talking about something of which we are ashamed, according to one opinion, means to say, Avadim Mitzrayim. We were slaves. But nevertheless, when we say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim, so he took us out to be slaves. But now we're slaves to slaves. I'm sorry, we're not slaves to slaves. We're slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not just not a derogatory term, but it's a compliment as well. In Tanakh, when we look for people who are called Ever Hashem, we see that that particular appellation is only given to the greatest of the great. Of course, we think in the end of Parshas Baloscha, the first time that I can recall that the phrase is used in connection with Moshe Rabbeinu himself, Lo chein avdi Moshe b'chol Moshe was a slave. A slave is completely given over to his master. His entire possession, everything he is, it belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This sentence, that we became slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has hashkafic and halachic connotations, which I'll like to explain a little bit. When we talk about being slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it doesn't just mean that we're slaves, it means that we became endowed with Kedushas Yisrael. The special concept of holiness that is found in the Jewish people came about because we're slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All things in this world that are Kadosh are Kadosh because man made them as Kadosh. I'm referring to things, not to time. But every object in the world that was, is Kadosh was made Kadosh by man who attached that particular object to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. For example, even Eretz Yisrael, the Kedusha, the Halachic Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, was brought about by Yoshua, later by Ezra, who declared Eretz Yisrael's Nachlas Hashem. When Tfilin or Mezuzah have Kedusha, it's because they relate directly to the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, written by man with a concept of being Mekadesh them, to including the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. For that reason, tzitzis do not have any Kedusha. Tzitzis are a beged that we wear, which we call Tashmishe Mitzvah, something that we use to do a mitzvah, but it's not used, not considered as Kadosh. And therefore, according to strict halacha, and we do this all the time, you're allowed to take, walk with your tzitzis into the washroom. According to strict din, you'd be wear, allowed to wear a talis into the washroom as well. The custom is to remove it as a sign of respect, but not because it's absolutely required by halacha. The kedusha of things in this world is a kedusha because they're connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When we talk about the Kedusha Yisrael, it means Am Yisrael became slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore 
as it were, Shem Shemayim Chalaleim. The name of God applies to them and they become Kadosh. A sukkah is also Chal Shem Shemayim Al Asukah. A sukkah has a type of Kedusha also because it's called Sukkah Lashem. So, all the things in this world that are Kadosh became Kadosh through man, through attachment to Kadosh Baruch Hu, and this was done by man when we said Nasa Vinishma. So, Shavuos doesn't just represent receiving the Torah. Chagah Shavuos represents the concept that we became an Am Kadosh to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The some of the halachic ramifications of this concept of Kedusha may be found in the fact that B'nai Israel cannot be self-incriminated. The Rambam simply formulates that a person cannot testify against himself in order to create an obligation of corporal punishment. The reason for this has been discussed in many places. The Radvaz points out a very simple reason. We do not really belong to ourselves. We do not own ourselves. My body, as it were, is indentured to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm a slave of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I can't give away something that doesn't belong to me. To give a, a parallel example, there is a halacha that under certain conditions, a person should tear kriya. A person should rip his garments. Anybody who's pleasant, who's present when a Jew passes away is required to tear kriya. The question was asked about doctors in hospitals who apparently are present when a person is in last stages of life and they see, they witness the death, would they have to tear Kriya? Rabbi Moshe Feinstein has a truth about this. And one of the points he makes is that very often, or generally, the doctor is wearing the uniform or the outfit that's given to him in the hospital. It's not his clothes. He doesn't tear Kriya. The Israeli soldiers also were asked were asked the question whether they should tear Kriya when Nebuchadnezzar they see someone on the battlefield who was killed. And again, the answer is their clothes, the uniform doesn't belong to them, it belongs to the army. You do not tear Kriya on somebody else's clothes. In a similar vein, a person cannot say, take away my arm, give me lashes. I don't belong to myself. I'm not independent. Achronim have discussed whether this law of self-incrimination applies to non-Jews as well. The Minchas Chinuch has a whole discussion about it. And he claims that a non-Jew may self-incriminate. And of course, there are sources that one could quote pro and con about this issue. But let me quote one simple source. When, when David HaMelech met this Nara Amalekite, this Amal- young Amalekite, 
who said that he had killed Shaul, David pronounced a verdict of death upon this young lad. And he explained, Your own mouth testified against yourself to say that you killed the Anointed One of God. So, the simple interpretation of this, of that sentence would imply that the non-Jew who incriminates himself is to be found guilty and punished. Whereas a Jew in a comparable situation would not be punished. On one hand, this seems a little unfair. On the other hand, there's a certain unfairness in the other sense as well. The Jew always feels that he is not autonomous. He's always subjugated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A chassid might look at this in a very positive sense. A certain type of misnagid might say, vey, I'm always going to be a slave. But the fact is that it's true. Whereas a non-Jew may consider himself autonomous. He could con- call himself the master of his faith, the captain of his soul, and not feel indebted to God. Of course, there would be certain mitzvahs he would have to do. But he would do them as a poel. He would do them as a laborer. I have to do A and B and C and D, etc. But it's not that he can tell me whatever I do, I have to do whatever. For whatever I'm commanded, I'm commanded. I have certain responsibilities. But I do them as a poel and not as an evan. When the Gemara says in Shabbos, Migila Razel Levonai, who revealed this mystery to my children? We have a deeper understanding today of the mystery. What would actually be the difference if we said Nasev and Nishma or Nishma Vanasev? And here we're trying to explain that there is inherent difference. It's not just that I have to do what the Torah said, but I become a slave of Akarish Baruchu and therefore I become endowed with Kedusha. Who told that secret to Bnei Israel? Only Bnei Israel could do it themselves if they understood the concept of Naseh Venishma. The Gemara has a discussion in general how one should act in Yom Tov. Should a person dedicate himself completely to a day of spiritual living? Or should a person dedicate that particular day to Gashmias, to physical Hanoah, enjoyment of that particular day. And the Gemara is a discussion. We generally say that uh, the compromise of Chetzel Hashem, Chetzel Lachem is ideal of dividing the day into two. But it seems to be that if a person chooses to dedicate the day as a complete spiritual day, he certainly has the right to do that. However, the Gemara says, Hakomodim Batsaris. The Gemara says, everybody would agree on Shavuos that you should definitely have Chetzel Lachem. Why? Because it's the day that the Torah was given. And if not for the Torah, how many people would be uh, just simply regular people? What makes them unique is the Torah. Now, at first glance, this Gemara seems very strange. You would say that a, a person who realizes the spiritual nature of the Shavuos, that I received the Torah on Shavuos, certainly should be entitled to spend that day 
Kulal Hashem, completely dedicated to spirituality. The fact that we receive the Torah should create a physical obligation as well. It's a day to enjoy the world, to enjoy Gashmias. Of course, Hasidim have discussed this idea and different explanations have been given. According to our line of reasoning, it seems that this particular day is not just a day where we receive the Torah. It's a day where the Jewish body itself became unique. The physical existence of the Jewish people became not only physically connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but spiritually connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We became Am Yisrael Shu Kadosh. This Kedusha of the body of the Jewish person should be celebrated as well. Not just the fact that he received the Torah, but Shavuos, or the time around Shavuos, the time of Nazareth and Ishma, means that we became endowed with Kedushas Israel. I'd like to point out one more point in this connection. In general, when we talk about receiving a new identity, the concept of Gerus, we talk about a new rebirth. And of course, that halach is expressed in the fact that Yisrael non-Jew who converts is like a child who was reborn. And his past is completely obliterated. Technically, halachically, according to biblical law, he has no prior life at all. No family exists until he begins a new Jewish family. The, in the Torah it says, Vayishma Moshe ta'am bochel Moshe heard the people crying to their families. And Chazal explained that B'nai Yisrael were crying about their families. Because they said they are forbidden to have incestuous relationships. So they were upset by this. The Maral in his Perish and Chumash, asks the question, why would this be true? Since at Matan Torah, there was a, a type of Gerus, there was a type of new concept, we became endowed with the Kedushas Yisrael, we became actual Gerim, so why would all the incestuous relationships still apply? According to biblical law, of course, according to rabbinic law, it all became forbidden. But according to strict biblical law, they became new people. And the explanation was given that when we talk about Gerus, we talk about a complete break from the past and a beginning, a new beginning. And therefore, all previous relationships were abandoned. However, Gerus of Matan Torah, the time when we received the Torah, when we said Nasev and Ishma, it was not a break from the past. It was building upon the past. When we received the concept of Halachic Kedushas Israel, when we became full-fledged Jews, when we received the Torah, we were not a new nation. We based ourselves on the Avos. We reverted back to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Whether they had Kedushas Israel or not is a famous controversy that the Ramban cites and discusses. The Kedushas Yisrael that we 
accepted upon Matan Torah is certainly not removed in concept from Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. Therefore, it's a concept of Kedushis Yisrael based upon the past, and therefore former relationships were not abandoned. Therefore, one could say Bnei Yisrael did cry about forbidden relationships. So we have seen that on Shavuos we celebrate the agricultural aspects of Yom Tov, but certainly we've always accepted that this is the time of Matan Torah, not just the time when we receive 613 mitzvahs or the Torah, but we ourselves became endowed with Kedushas Yisrael, which was based upon Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov.